0: We're going to continue on in a series we're doing called, Who Do You Think You Are? And what we're talking about in this series is our identity in Christ. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Beatitudes, and and these are the attitudes that are developed in us as we cooperate with the Spirit as citizens of the kingdom. And so far, we've talked about being poor in spirit. We've, We've talked about what it means to mourn. We've talked about meekness. Last week, we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and uh, this week, we're going to talk about mercy and being merciful and what that looks like. So that's where we're headed. That's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or a silly thought or something. I like uh, grandfather clocks, big time. That's all in presentation, you know. I'm going to get it right, yeah. I'm working on it. Uh, Angie texted me this, this this week. You know, Pastor Billy and Angie, oh, they'll be here back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, this is what. So, the, did you hear about the guy who got caught stealing hay? He made bail. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> oh, that uh, this escaped prisoner was caught camping out in the woods. It was a clear case of criminal intent. Explain that to your neighbor. Scripture reading. Here on purpose. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, "'Bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. "'If anyone has a complaint against another, "'even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. "'But above all these things, put on love, "'which is the bond of perfection. "'And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, "'to which you were also called in one body, "'and be thankful. "'Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, "'teaching and admonishing one another in psalms "'and hymns and spiritual songs.' singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That passage starts with talking about the tender mercies and and what mercy looks like. And and so today we're going to talk about how important mercy is and and, uh, how how we're to uh, allow mercy to flow out of us as it flows into us. Now, last week, as I said, we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And we defined righteousness by looking at that word in lots of different spots. But what the the summary was, it's about being right with him, being in right relationship with him, and living by trying to do the next right thing. And uh, as we continue on in the Beatitudes, here's what's interesting. So the fourth Beatitude and the eighth Beatitude are about righteousness. We talked about that a little last week. Well, Beatitudes 5, 6, and 7 are kind of a righteousness sandwich, if you would, and they, they really, these three in the middle here, 5, 6, and 7, um, kind of help us really understand what it means to, to, to live rightly with Him, and, and they are about being merciful, about being pure in heart, and about peacemaking. And these only become possible after we've really taken a good look at those first three, which remind us of our desperate need for God and, and makes us think about his amazing grace to us and that, that our response is to live life for him. And, and so now we're, the Holy Spirit will teach us in these how, how this begins to walk out, what it looks like on the journey. And today we're going to talk about being merciful. And, and how that should happen in our lives. So let's try and talk about, you know, what is mercy. That's point number one. What is mercy? So the beatitude today is Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Remember that word blessed is, is what this is about. Uh, some of your translations may have just happy in there, but it's more than that. It's actually a a picture of, of opposites. that the, It's the opposite word that's used there of the word for sin. And sin is about going your way. And, and so this word is about going his way and what that looks like. And part of going his way is this idea of being merciful. So mercy is a compassionate response to human need. Grace and mercy are often mentioned together, but, but they differ uh, some. Uh, grace deals with sin and guilt. Mercy deals with with the consequences or the fallout of sin and guilt. And, and that's why it's so amazing to us. It's all amazing. Grace is amazing, but mercy is is amazing. And as we um, realize the mercy that God shows us, even though that we've gone our own way and done our own thing time after time, he, he just pursues us and loves us and, and cares for us and moves in to our lives. When, when we understand how amazing his mercy is, uh, what's supposed to happen is then it's supposed to impact the way that we relate into the world around us and that we're merciful to others. It's, it's kind of like this this big mercy cycle. He's been merciful to us, so we're merciful to others. We show mercy to others, and as we show that mercy, we receive more mercy. And I don't know about you, but I need more mercy. One of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture says that his mercies are new every morning. And I always think about how important that is to me because my messes are new every day, right? That's how I remember that. His mercies are new every morning mourning. And and so it's this this cycle of mercy that's to be flowing in our lives as citizens of the kingdom. So what does it look like? Uh, And that's point number two. Let's talk about mercy in action. Mercy in action. And there's a great story in the Gospel of Luke that I think perfectly illustrates this idea of mercy in action. when I begin to read it, most of you know it. It's the parable or the story of the Good Samaritan. It only occurs in the Gospel of Luke. And it's a fantastic story, and, and I love this, that the, the, the passage starts with Scripture that we talk about here all the time, that we're to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. That's part of our core mission. You know, we, we talk about uh, one more, one more lost child back to dad, that's our mission, and then the, the follow-up to that is all in, and we define that as loving God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, in this passage that I'm about to read to you, that's how it starts and then it's, there's sort of a picture of it that's tagged on to the end. Know this about this parable that um, the established religious community doesn't like Jesus and, uh, at all. They're, they're, they're drawn to him, and they have an idea that, that it's, a, it's a God thing, but they don't like the package. And so they've hardened their hearts, and they've rejected him, and they're constantly trying to look for ways to trip him up and do those things. And that's part of this setup. But but Jesus is Jesus, and he's got situations well in hand, and I love the way that he finishes the story. So let me read this to you. It's Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Now, that's a teaching that Jesus has made, so this guy's heard that and he's, he's sort of responding to that in, in what he knows, well, Jesus wanted to hear that, but now he's trying to trip him up in this way, he says, well, who is my neighbor? That's what he wants to know. And Jesus says this in reply, verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these 3 do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him and Jesus told him go and do likewise. Now, it's a great story for lots of reasons, but in context The the established religious community today has missed out on what it really means to have relationship with God. They're they're trying to trap Jesus because they don't like him, although Jesus has come to offer them a way back in, and they've they've rejected him, and they're ultimately just trying to figure out how to kill him so they can continue going their own way and doing their own thing. Well, in this story, that group would be represented by the priest and the Levite and uh, who who just don't even pay attention to what's going on and walk away. But the Samaritan, whom these folks would have hated, the the established religious community hated the Samaritans, so you need to know that. And people go, why did they hate the Samaritan? so much? So during one of the exiles, uh, the people of Samaria, which was part of Israel, the capital at the time, were conquered, conquered. and I believe it was the Babylonians who conquered them at this point in time. And what the Babylonians would do when they conquered a people is they would take all the inhabitants out of that place and they would move them away. They, different than the Romans who kept everybody in. But this is what the Babylonians did. They'd move all the people. And then they'd take some other people they conquered and they'd move them over here just to unsettle everything and, and you know, keep them all sort of messed up. But when they did that in Samaria, um, they had a lot of issues happen. And their thought was that if they brought some of the Hebrew priests back they would settle things down in there, even though the people weren't Jewish at all that were left. So that some of the Hebrew priests came back into that area, and um, what, what sprung out of that was then this mix of all kinds of messed up sort of religious things. And, and so it, it wasn't Judaism, and it wasn't really anything. Well, the the... Pharisees who were trying to protect Judaism, they, they hated this mix that was in Samaria. So rather than reach out to them or try and love them back in or anything, they just exiled them, cut them off, said, we'll have nothing to do with you, and they avoided them at all costs. So you kind of have to be aware of that in the process. The, they hated these folks to the point when Jesus said, Who's, who was the neighbor in this situation? The correct answer would have been, well, the Samaritan was, but he couldn't even say the Samaritan. Well, the one who showed him mercy, and he said, yeah, that's the guy, go and and do likewise. Also, whenever I tell that story, this joke gets stuck in my head, and I can't continue the message unless I get it out. So Sunday school teacher was teaching this particular story, and she says to her class, she said very seriously, so if you came by a man laying on the side of the road who was beaten and and, uh, laying there half dead, what would you do? And one little girl says, I think I'd throw up. Okay, now, so... I just have to get that out of there or I can't press on. Anybody, you'll get like it's like a thing stuck in there. I would have been dealing with that the entire time. A, mercy sees. you got to see this. Mercy sees. Mercy sees distress. It it doesn't walk through the world with blinders on. This is so important, uh, especially in our culture, because often what we will do is... Rather than see the people that are around us, they become part of the machinery and scenery of our lives. And so their scenery, they just, we don't even really notice them at all. The machinery is people that, that we're, we're connecting with in some way because they sort of make our lives work. So these are, these are people who, you know, are serving us or doing something like that. And oftentimes we don't even really recognize them unless something goes wrong And then we go hard after them because they're not making our life work. That is a fairly normal situation. I watch it and see it all the time. But see, we're called to be good neighbors to folks. And and so what we need to see is people the way we need to see them the way God does. And that when we encounter people, they're not just part of the scenery and machine. These are people that God's created. They're, they're people that he loves. They're, they're people that if they're not in relationship with him, he wants them in relationship. He's gone to great lengths of that. And he uses us to, to help that process. And so we, we can't walk through life with, with blinders on. We, we can't avoid things. Um, we need to really be looking, especially in our sphere of influence. Part of the problem is, I think we're so bombarded by so much information that in order just to survive, we shut things out because it's too much for us to take in. You, you, you just can't take it all in. And and so, but we shut it down to the point where we start missing the stuff that we should take in, which is people that are around us. They're there for a reason. We're, we're all here for a purpose and a reason and a mission, and it's these little interactions that make all the difference that we should be having on a regular basis. But we have to see them in the first place. Luke 10.33 said, The Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, When he saw him, he saw him. He saw what was going on. He took it in. The other folks, they didn't want to see it, so they walked by. We have a funny thing. So um, we're blessed. Alice and I are blessed to have seven grandchildren. And uh, I know you say, you're not old enough. and I know, but it's okay. I have seven. (laughs) You look so good. You must be really old. Um, Seven grandkids. The last two were twin girls. They're about a year and a half old, and, and they're really cute. And uh, but they're they're a handful. The twins are amazing too because they. I don't know if you've ever been around twins, but they they work together as a team to do things that they shouldn't. And so. <laughs> And they purposely distract you. I know that they're communicating in some way. And one will get into something you shouldn't, and you could, we'll have them, and we'll, we'll rush over there to deal with that one, and we'll, we'll get that one out of the way, stop doing it. And while we're doing that one, this one is snuck over and is doing the same thing. And this happens all the time. Well, they were at our house this week. Uh, my daughter brought them over for a little bit, and, uh, and they were doing, doing their thing. But they had this thing with me for a long time that when they see me, both of them do this thing where they just close their eyes and pretend I'm not there. It's really funny to watch everybody else, a little hurtful, but still, it's okay. <laughs> all, oh, look how funny that is. Yeah, okay, whatever. And, uh, and it's like, if we don't open our eyes, you don't exist. That's kind of what that picture is, and it's funny. When they were there the other day, they did that initially, but after they, they I'm there for a little while, they, they you know, they, they warmed up, and, and uh, so that was a good thing. I was happy about that, but... But it's such a picture to me of what we often do. Like if we just close it, if we don't look at any of it, it doesn't exist and it doesn't have to impact us. But we're missing out on the the opportunities of of living this life in in a way that makes a difference. And so we have to be aware of it. So we have to ask God to help us get our eyes open. Then B, what happens is there's an internal impact. When our eyes are open, what happens is we'll respond with a heart of compassion. God put that in you and and he wants that to be you know working in you Often when you read the Gospels, you'll see Jesus responding with a heart of compassion to situations. Uh, people are hungry, he responds. People need prayer, he responds. People need uh, something, he responds. He, he was so good at seeing people that nobody else saw. I love that when I read the Gospels. He's constantly picking somebody out of the crowd that would have been dismissed or missed because he's looking, because he cares. And then he responds and figures out what it, what it looks like. And so there's, uh, the, the heart has to get involved with compassion. Luke 10:33. he took pity on him the, the Samaritan saw what was going on and he, he, he knew that something had to happen. And then mercy has an external response, it goes from that into doing something. Mercy does something to attempt to relieve the distress. 10, 34, and 35. He went to him, bandaged his wound, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He went out of his way to help this person. Now, here's where I think. So sometimes you think, well, there's no way I can do all of that, so I'm not going to respond at all. If you'll get your eyes open... And you you allow your heart to to be softened. Then then what we do is we talk about this time. To we're, you know we're living yielding to the Spirit. We we sort of ask God, is there something that you want me to do here? Is there something I can do here? And He will direct you in it. And and it's not always a major deal. It, it could be, but a lot of times it's as simple as. Saying hello, or, or uh, smiling at someone, or listening to someone, or helping them with something small, or whatever it might be—it's some sort of interaction. So p- some people are desperate for any type of interaction. They they just sort of become the scenery to the point where they don't even think people notice them. Just I like to I smile at people when I go places, and sometimes I know they think I'm crazy. That's okay. Uh, but but I, 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 any sort of engagement is good, you know, and, and so we, we need to be seeing what we can do and then yield to the Spirit. I, I, we live in a crazy world, I know, and sometimes there's tricks and traps and things going on, so we need to ask God to, you know, make sure we're tuned into those things. But what is it that we might do that might make a difference? It could be a very little thing, but, but just something in this process, in, in the people that are around us in this little space, that, that we, we might make a difference somehow in their lives. That's what that looks like. What happens, the promise from that is point number three, is that they shall obtain mercy. This mercy cycle keeps going. And, and God shows mercy to uh, his people that are shown mercy. Proverbs fourteen twenty one, He who despises his neighbor's sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Psalm 18, 25. Five, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. Jude 121, keep yourselves in God's loves as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So we have these amazing promises of mercy. Now, there's, there's, there's something else about this Samaritan parable that, that I want you to see. And if you'll read it this way, I think it's really impactful. So uh, I want to talk about in the story who the Samaritan is. Now remember who Jesus is talking to, the established religious community, and they don't like him. This very same group spoke to him in John's Gospel this way in John eight, forty eight. The the Jews, the established religious community, they answered him, Aren't we right talking to Jesus in saying that you are a Samaritan? Oh, and demon possessed. I like how they kind of throw that in in the process. Remember who they're talking to. This is Jesus, the, the the one, you know, everything happened because of Jesus and continues to happen, and they, because they don't like him, they well, you're a Samaritan, people they don't like, and, oh, demon-possessed, by the way. And Jesus responds, I'm certainly not demon-possessed, and he goes on there, but he, he doesn't deny in there the, the Samaritan thing. Well, I want you to take that picture, and Jesus, knowing who he's talking to and what they've accused him of being, and understanding that in the story, Jesus is the Samaritan and he's full of mercy, and he sees us battered and broken on the side of the road, and he has compassion on us, and he takes our mess on himself, and he pays for it at the cross, and he comforts us, and he cares for us, and he empowers us to live by his spirit. He demonstrates what mercy is, and as he does that, and as we walk into that, we find an experience this full and abundant life in him and as recipients of that mercy we're to go and do likewise and as we extend mercy we receive mercy and it just continues on in the process that's part of being in relationship rightly with him and living by trying to do the next right thing mercy being merciful full of mercy and letting it flow through you so I'm going to end it there for today. Next week we talk about being pure in heart, which is a discussion on integrity, which is good, looking forward to, but but that's good for today.